Welcome to Treadmill Talks with Shannon Maves, a podcast for athletes and fitness enthusiasts to pass the time during mind-numbing cardio while I use my no-bullshit coaching style to educate, inspire, and entertain. I'm your host, Shannon Maves. Now let's walk and talk. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Treadmill Talks, the one about intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is a pretty interesting topic in my opinion, because something that is supposed to be intuitive is actually very challenging for a lot of people. I remember years ago, long before I was a nutrition coach, a friend asked me, where did you learn how to eat intuitively? And her question threw me off so much because I had never done anything but eat intuitively. I was like, what do you mean? It's intuitive. And that was literally the exact moment in time that I realized how fucked up diet culture is. Yes, I know I'm a bikini competitor and a physique coach, and my job is quite literally to help people diet. But if you hadn't noticed, I don't actually use the term diet when I am referring to a fat loss phase. I refer to it as a fat loss phase or a maintenance phase or a building phase. If someone is in a fat loss phase, I do not say that they are dieting because your diet is simply the food you consume. So that is the only context in which I use the word. Diet culture, on the other hand, is a set of myths about food. It is what perpetuates being lean as an ideal body standard. And it's what labels foods as good or bad. And I think diet culture is the reason why the word diet gets confused. Because oftentimes I'll ask someone, what is your diet like? And they'll respond with, oh, I'm, I'm not on a diet right now. And I'm like, right, but you obviously eat. So what and how much do you typically eat? Diet culture is a big reason why it's so hard for many people to eat intuitively. Because if you're perpetually trying fad diet after fad diet after fad diet, and you're restricting yourself from foods because you view them as bad, or you are constantly trying to shrink yourself down in order to achieve whatever ideal body image you have in your mind, it can throw off your body's ability to eat intuitively. Physiologically speaking, being in a fat loss phase that is too extreme or for too long of a period of time can fuck up your leptin and ghrelin, which are your hunger hormones. They are what tell your body when it is hungry and when it is full. And psychologically, you can develop a pretty fucked up relationship with food if you start telling yourself shit like, you can't eat fruit because it has too much sugar. Or you're not allowed to eat unless it's within a certain window of time, even though you feel like you're about to pass out because you're so fucking hungry. Once you get to that point, which unfortunately so many of us have gotten to that point, you actually do kind of have to train yourself how to eat intuitively again. 
And I say again, because believe it or not, you did eat intuitively at one point in time. We as humans are born knowing how to eat intuitively. It's diet culture that fucks it all up for us. For some, diet culture can destroy our ability to eat intuitively at a pretty early age. A lot of times this has to do with our parents instilling their negative relationship with food or body image into us. I've talked to plenty of women who started their first diet in elementary school. But I think most of us first fell victim to diet culture around middle school or maybe high school when all of a sudden there is a lot more peer pressure to look a certain way. And we don't know shit about nutrition or anything because they don't teach us it in schools. So we just listen to whatever bullshit we're being told or what we're reading in the magazines. Okay, (laughs) I think I might be aging myself a little bit right now. Maybe read on the internet is a better way to put it. That's probably more accurate to what teenagers are doing nowadays. (laughs) But maybe it happens after high school, in college, once we've physically grown out of adolescence and we start to realize that, oh shit, I'm gaining weight when I eat Taco Bell every night. So then we label Taco Bell as bad and we start some bullshit fad diet. And then there's the lucky ones who somehow don't fall victim to diet culture until later in life or possibly even at all. I was actually fortunate enough to be in that last group. My first diet was when I competed for the first time. I had literally never dieted before that. I wouldn't say I had the best relationship with food, but it definitely wasn't bad by any means. But I ate intuitively for the first 24 years of my life. I didn't even think much of it until I started competing and coaching. That's when I saw how many people are unable to eat intuitively. So although I am a physique coach, my ultimate goal is to help my clients develop the knowledge and skill set that they need to be able to eat intuitively at some point. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living in a nursing home when I'm 90, still weighing out my food and tracking it into some app. I will say, though, I've been tracking my food for long enough now that intuitive eating does take me more work than it ever did before I started competing, which is why I still consciously work on it from time to time. Because it kind of is its own type of skill. I recently took a few months off from tracking because I had basically hit burnout. And I also realized that I was struggling to tap into my internal hunger cues. Since I don't have any shows on my radar, I wanted to work on eating more intuitively again. I hate to admit it, but it was hard. A lot harder than I thought it was going to be, considering I had always eaten intuitively growing up. During those few months, I had to remind myself of practically everything that I'm going to go over today. The most challenging one was differentiating between physical and emotional hunger. Partially because I have struggled with emotional eating in the past, and this past year has been, well, emotional in a lot of ways. 
I found myself frequently having to stop and really check in with myself and ask, am I actually hungry or am I just wanting to fill some sort of void? For some of you, that second half of the question might be, or am I just bored or am I just stressed or sad or mad or whatever your emotional eating tends to stem from? In order to be able to answer this question, though, you need to be able to actually tell the difference between physical and emotional hunger. Physical hunger can present itself in different ways. One of the more obvious signs of physical hunger is a rumbling stomach, but it can also cause feelings of fatigue or lightheadedness. A lot of times the smell of food seems more intense and you're like, oh shit, that smells good. But physical hunger typically comes on gradually and it can be satisfied by essentially any type of food. Something that works for me personally when I'm trying to decipher whether or not I am actually physically hungry is asking myself if cold chicken sounds good. Now, to be fair, I actually do kind of like cold chicken, so it's not like the weirdest thing in the world, but it's obviously not my favorite food either. So if I ask myself that question and I'm like, "Mm, no, I don't want cold chicken, I want pizza, then I'm probably not as hungry as I might have thought I was. But if cold chicken does sound good, then yeah, I'm actually pretty hungry and it's probably time to eat. That little tactic might not work for everyone, though. Some people legitimately don't care what they eat ever. So you might have to pay more attention to those physical signs of hunger, like an empty or grumbling stomach, lightheadedness, shakiness, a headache. Or maybe you need to pay attention to if you're becoming a grumpy Gus. I'm not going to name any names, but I've definitely dealt with some people who claimed that they were just in a bad mood until they ate something. And then all of a sudden, they were happy as a clam again. Yeah, true physical hunger can make you grumpy. Emotional hunger, on the other hand, isn't typically felt in our stomachs, but more so in our heads. And no, I don't mean lightheadedness or a headache. I mean, more like it's felt in our minds. It could present itself as an anxious feeling that you need to eat or a sudden thought about a specific food. Unlike physical hunger, emotional hunger comes on quickly. Oftentimes, it feels urgent, and it tends to be for something specific. And it's typically not for something like cold chicken. (laughs) Physical hunger disappears after eating. Emotional hunger tends to linger even after eating. Taking a moment to actually stop and ask yourself, am I physically or emotionally hungry can help a ton with getting in tune with your internal hunger cues. Sometimes you just don't know though, especially if this is a new practice for you. You might ask yourself whether or not you're truly hungry and you're just like, fuck, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I just ate, but I still don't have great energy and my stomach doesn't feel like full. In which case, I like to tell myself this next phrase. Make the decision you'll feel proud of tomorrow. Because sometimes that is the statement that helps me realize whether or not I'm actually hungry. Sometimes that's what I need to hear to realize that 
yeah, okay, no, I don't actually need to eat more, but that's me. And that's because I have a tendency to overeat rather than undereat. If you're someone who tends to undereat, then you might need to think back to what you've eaten and determine whether or not it was enough or if you need to eat more food. Because some people just never feel hungry. You still need to eat. And you need to work on intuitive eating and tapping into those internal hunger cues. There's a book called Intuitive Eating. Actually, I think there's multiple books called Intuitive Eating. But there is one specific book that I'm referring to. It was written by two women named Evelyn Tribble and Elise Risch. Risch, Risch, I don't know, R-E-S-C-H. I first listened to this book on Audible, and as soon as I finished listening to it, I actually ordered a hard copy of it because I knew it was going to help me coach my clients on intuitive eating. It was so helpful and informative. I'm obviously not going to go over the entire book, but I do want to hit a few of the key takeaways I got from it, and then you can decide if you want to look more into it. Okay, so the book starts out by helping you determine what kind of eater you are like a perpetual dieter, an emotional eater, etc. Then they kind of go into what intuitive eating is before diving into more details about their 10 principles of intuitive eating, which are principle number one, reject the diet mentality. This chapter kind of goes into what I talked about with diet culture. It explains why it can be detrimental to view foods as good or bad. Principle number two, honor your hunger. This chapter explains more what physical hunger is and how it can present itself. It basically goes over why you should eat if you're hungry. Principle number three, make peace with food. This chapter goes more into depth about labeling foods as good or bad. It explains why so many people suffer from rebound weight gain or feel the need to eat everything in sight before they start yet another fad diet. It challenges you to get rid of any self-fulfilling prophecies that you might have, like, I just can't control myself around that food, or I'm all in or nothing. Principle number four is challenging the food police. The food police is that strong voice in your head that tells you shit like, you can't eat late at night, or you don't deserve a cookie because you didn't work out today. This chapter goes over how to reframe those types of thoughts. Number five is feel your fullness. This chapter is about tuning into those internal hunger cues like I talked about, which refers to your fullness as well. It's about how to recognize the difference between comfortable satiety and feeling full. Number six is discover the satisfaction factor. Food is meant to be enjoyed. Yes, it is quite literally fuel, but it is also pleasure and culture and tradition and so much more. This chapter explains why it is actually beneficial to eat foods that we enjoy. Number seven is cope with your emotions without using food. Because food is pleasurable, it can oftentimes be used as a coping mechanism. But finding ways to cope with anxiety, depression, boredom, stress, or other negative emotions in ways that don't involve food are more long-term solutions and can help you develop a better ability to eat intuitively. Number eight is respect your body. We are all built differently and that should be embraced. Our bodies serve us in so many ways on a daily basis that we oftentimes forget to be thankful for. 
This chapter is all about learning how to eat in a way that is out of love and respect for your body and all that it does for you. Number nine is exercise. If you are fortunate enough to have a body that is capable of exercise, find a way to enjoy it. It doesn't have to be strenuous. Just move your body in a way that feels good and is fun. And number 10 is honor your health. This chapter is about the importance of eating nutritiously, but it also makes a clear point that one snack or one meal or even one full day of eating will not cause you to gain weight or develop a nutrient deficiency. It's about what you do consistently over time. And that goal is always progress, not perfection. Then the book goes more into the science behind things, recovering from eating disorders, as well as how to raise children to become intuitive eaters. So if you want to check it out, again, it's called Intuitive Eating, and it is a great book. Another great book is one called Mindless Eating, Why We Eat More Than We Think. This one is by Brian Wansink, Wansink, W-A-N-S-I-N-K. This one isn't really about intuitive eating, but it went over so many super interesting studies about how and why we eat the way we do, like how the size or even color of our plate can influence how much we eat, how restaurants use keywords and certain types of music to persuade us to eat more. It's a really interesting book and very helpful for anyone who feels like they can get out of control around food. I think mindful eating is very important to practice along with intuitive eating because it can help you tap into those internal hunger cues and appreciate food. So to practice mindful eating, what I want you to do is the next time you eat a meal, I want you to sit down at a table. Don't eat in your car. Don't eat at your desk and don't eat on the couch. Sit down at a real table. Plate your food nicely. Make it look presentable. Take a moment to think about what it took for that food to make its way onto your plate. Think about the farmers that grew those vegetables from seeds. The careful planning it took to harvest them at just the right time. Think about the people working in the grocery stores who stocked those vegetables on the shelves for you to buy. Think about the work that it took you or whoever made it to wash the vegetables, cut them, season them, and cook them. Appreciate how fucking lucky we are to be able to eat what we want when we want to. And then take a bite. Close your eyes and pay attention to the flavors temperatures, textures, chew slowly and enjoy the bite. But I want you to put your fork down in between each bite. Be mindful not to shovel the food into your mouth so quickly that you practically inhale the entire meal. Slow down and savor it. Every once in a while, check in with yourself and ask, am I still hungry? Yes. Okay. I'm going to take another bite. No? All right, I'm going to stop eating. Feel what comfortable satiety is like. You don't have to eat everything on your plate just because it's there. And if you do eat everything on your plate and you still feel physically hungry, then you can continue to eat more. 
That is what honoring your hunger is about. That is what intuitive eating is all about. And I think it is so important to practice. Is intuitive eating the best approach for someone with a physical? Most likely not, at least not until they've developed the skills needed to do so, which as I mentioned, is my ultimate goal as a coach. I'm on a mission to help my clients build their dream physiques while keeping their physical and mental health the number one priority. Because once you develop a healthy relationship with food, you can really learn to listen to your body and understand what it needs and why it needs it, you'll be surprised by how much you can still accomplish eating intuitively. I'm not sure how I forgot to mention this, but I actually did an entire competition prep eating intuitively. And it was quite honestly, probably my favorite prep that I've ever done because I had so much freedom. It did look quite a bit different than a lot of what I've just mentioned because getting stage lean does require some amount of hunger to be present. But I was so in tune with my body during that time that I knew what amount of hunger was okay and what was not okay. Now, I definitely don't recommend eating intuitively for the vast majority of competitors. It would be really easy to undereat too much or to eat more than you think and never get lean enough. And I have zero plans of ever doing another prep like that again now that I'm competing at a higher level. But it was fun and it was a great learning experience especially for me as a coach. So if you want to work with a coach who is there to help you achieve your physique goals while also working to help you develop long-lasting habits with an end goal of eating intuitively, then click the link on the show notes to apply to work with me. Thank you for listening to Treadmill Talks. If this episode taught you something, lit a fire under your ass, or at least helped you forget how long you've been walking in place, please leave a review or take a screenshot to share on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at Shannon Maves so I can give you some love right back. And thanks again for listening to my treadmill talk.